I don't, I don't know if um, I ever told you this, but did you know I have grandchildren? <laughs> I do, and we had the privilege of watching the two grandsons yesterday, seven-year-old, five-year-old, and um, so we had a good time with them. We took them around, we let them see the chickens, we took them to Wendy's, and then, then we went home. And while, while we're at the house, um, we were watching uh, thanks, Thanksgiving, Peanuts Thanksgiving, which is such a spiritual movie. <laughs> it's one of Sheila's favorites. So we were watching it, trying to expose the grandkids to Peanuts and Snoopy and Woodstock. <laughs> and then after, so after a while, uh, we, I looked over and the five-year-old was sitting there. Um, he wasn't much interested in the movie, and so he had all these little people. Remember those Fisher-Price people, you know, from, I think they're 150 years old now. And he's playing with them in the little house, and he's just content. And I looked over, and it just, I had this just joy that we were spending time with him, and he was just playing, you know, he was just so content, having a good time, just content. A little bit later, Sheila grabbed a book and, and said, um, you want to read it? And so she started reading it, and, and he kind of looked up, and he came over to the couch, and he snuggled up close to her, and he's looking at the book, and, and I look over, and I'm content, and Sheila's just in joy, because there it is, that little five-year-old snuggled up close, sharing, reading a book, just having moments where connection is being made. That times a trillion is the desire that God has for us. Is a desire for him. He desires for us to experience his presence, to experience his joy, to, to allow him to bring that contentment to us. In the scripture that we looked at last week in John chapter 7, beginning with verse 37, does anybody need a Bible? If you do, anybody? Okay. John chapter 7, beginning with verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day. So Jesus had a habit of walking to Jerusalem three times a year for the festivals. And now they've, they've been celebrating the festival, the festival of booths or the festival of tabernacles. And um, it was eight days long. And so on the last day, seven or eight days long, on the last day, the great day, the, the great day of celebration, Jesus stands up. And, and I think, I, and I just wonder in my mind if, if maybe Jesus hasn't every, every day as he's there for this festival, looking around to the people and his heart going out to them, his heart of desire. Because every, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they, are, they, all are this, they all are God. And, and so the Father's heart and Jesus' heart, looking out at these people who, who so often are broken and needy and hurting and oppressed and captured by Satan's schemes and, and not being given much help or hope by the religious leaders. 
And I just wonder if day after day after day, his, his heart hasn't been breaking for them and, and his desire doesn't get stronger and stronger and stronger until finally his heart explodes on the last day and he cries out. He stands up in contrast to the religious leaders who would sit down and speak quietly and he shouts and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. All of you who have been hurting, all of you that have been watching, if any of you want God, if your heart is breaking, if your soul is empty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. As much as Sheila and I can experience the joy of having these grandkids connecting with us, The heart of God is so big. He desires for us to experience his presence. Rivers, wide rivers, uncontrollable rivers of his presence flowing into us. And then he goes on, he said this about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given. And so he's saying, come to me and and." And after Pentecost, my very presence will flow through you. Come to me and you will experience rivers of living water. Last week, we began to look at this as pipelines, pipelines of God's presence. And we saw that um, he, as Jesus promises those rivers of living water flowing out of our hearts, we have a couple of responsibilities in order to experience that. Greater obedience, more and more obedience, the more that we discover God, the more we spend time with God, the more we know what He wants, and and the more radically we obey, the more we surrender and listen and obey. And so this greater obedience that puts us in alignment with Him, and then increased capacity, growing broader and broader by emptying ourselves out of ourselves so that there's more space. There's getting rid of all the junk in our souls that has built up over the years so that he can flow through us. So I gave you this picture. Randy, you want to get those? And I, I wish I could figure out a, a really good way to, to display this. In fact, well, why don't we do it this way? Um, so Luke, you want to come up here Luke, you're going to be God. (laughs) And as I said last week, so come up here. Just you can hide behind it if you want. So, what I really would like is a pipe that is as big as this building, because God's presence is unfathomable. You know, you just can't. But this is bigger than anything else. And so, um, give me that. So when we when we're born, we come into this world as actually a, I, I tried to figure out how I could clog a straw, but I couldn't, but we come into this world as clogged straws, right? We're just, we don't have that much capacity at all. And sin fills us. Sin is, so the presence of God, no matter how much it pounds on us, it can't because God won't take our sin unless we surrender to him. And so we're these clogged straws. When we ask Jesus into our hearts, we accept his presence His death cleanses us from our sin. And so now we're this little straw and 
And we, our responsibility, the first responsibility is what? See, look in your bulletin. Greater obedience. So greater obedience, so moving more and more. So when we accept Christ as Savior, we just kind of barely in alignment with Him. We're just a little tiny bit that's coming through us. And the second is increased capacity. A lot of times what happens is people accept Christ as Savior. Is that heavy? Good. Is it... Is people accept Christ as Savior and they get cleaned out and they get a little bit of His presence, but they never grow any bigger than that. And here's what religion does. Religion says work on the appearance of your straw. Get cleaner on the outside. Get more, get shiny. Get, get, you know, add color to your life. And instead of increasing capacity, we just stay here and get a little bit of dribble Stay here, get a little bit of dribble, and we just stay the same. And that's why you've met people who claim to be following Christ who are grumpy, nasty, mean old people. Right? Because somewhere back in prehistoric times, they accepted Christ, but they've never moved closer in alignment. They've never really grown that much. And that's why selfishness can still be a part of their lives. And they never expand their capacity. They just remain straws. They just dress up the outside. But our responsibility is as we grow in Christ is to get bigger and move closer. So you grow some and you got greater capacity. You got to get closer and closer and get it. And then you grow some more and you get wider, wider. And age has nothing to do with it. Surrendering, listening, and obey does. And then you get bigger and bigger. What do you think? Throwing underneath there. And then this is, this is the biggest one I got. So the two responsibilities are what? Greater obedience, which causes alignment and greater capacity which expands the, the width of your soul. So that's what we talked about last week. Thank you, Luke. Give him a round of applause for his theatrical, I guess not debut, you've been up here before. So I want to I follow up with that. In your, look in your outline. So a if the two responsibilities are what? Greater obedience. Greater obedience that causes alignment and increased capacity. If that's what we're supposed to do, then how do we do that? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is, this, I actually had this embedded in last week's message, but I felt like this is really, really important. So this is the practical rubber meets the road stuff. First bullet point, as we were talking about aligning daily, aligning daily to experience this. It's not, it, it's about knowing and living the truth by the Holy Spirit within. It's not about how many, how much time I spend reading the Bible, how much time I spend praying. It's not about checking off the boxes. It's not about doing the religious duties or looking like a good straw. 
It's about knowing and living the truth. John chapter 8, verse 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, they had believed in him. So they, they had accepted he was Messiah. He was the Savior and he, they were following him. If you abide in my word, that is, if you hold to my teaching, if you remain faithful to what I tell you to do, if you obey me, if you're living in alignment with me, if you are doing what I tell you to do, then you are truly my disciples. So it's not enough just to believe that I'm the Messiah. So you have to do what I'm telling you to do, and then you're my disciples. And after you obey then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. You will know who I am. So truth, I, I, I think that ought to, it, it's both a capital T and a small letter T because Jesus is the truth. The truth is a person, but it's also a way of life. And so he's saying, then you will know the truth. If you do what I tell you in so Satan's upside down process says, well, then you know, his way is, is completely opposite of that. Um, if, I, if I understand and agree with what Jesus tells me to do, then I'll do it. Jesus says, hear what I say, do it whether you understand it, agree with it, like it, you just do it. And when you do it, then you'll know the truth. We want to know what's true first. Jesus says, you know it by experiencing it. That's what we want to get at. So as we talk about ways to do it, the purpose is knowing him and following him. God wants, next bullet point, God wants rivers of satisfaction for us more than we ever will. And that goes back to that, the opening story that I was telling you about the grandkids. God desires it more than we ever will want it. He wants for us what he has more than we will ever want it. And so when we think about aligning with him, experiencing the Bible, being on the treasure hunt as we read the, the Bible, obeying, as we think about all those things, God wants it for us more than we will ever want it. His heart desires for us. And um, I was thinking about that um, in the last few days is um, God could have created it so that we worshipped him and he was a distant being. That he could have demanded we, you know, eat rocks. He could have demanded, he, he could have created all, all that, he could have made it so all food tastes awful. But we had to eat it anyway. But instead, he, out of his father's heart, out of his love, he wants for us more than we want for ourselves. So open your, open your Bible to John chapter 7 again. And notice the treasures of promises, of desire from the heart of God. John chapter 7 verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. God desires for us to experience his presence so that he's placing his spirit within us. Flip over a couple of pages to John 14, 
Verse 25. John 14, verse 25. These things, he says, I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent in my name, his very presence, will teach you all things. His, so the Holy Spirit is working harder than we ever will to teach us what the Father and the Son want us to know. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. The older I get, the more I value that God will help me remember things. Because if I don't write it down these days, he's saying, I will bring back to your mind. That's why we memorize, we have memory verses. Because we memorize them, then in the moment we need them. The Holy Spirit, remember this one? Remember this one? Remember that lesson? Remember how you experienced me there? Remember. Because he is on our side more than we can imagine. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. He desires to give us his peace. He says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Different kind of peace. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then uh, over a little bit to John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, there it is, abide in him, do what he tells you to do, you will abide in my love. Obeying him is abiding in his love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. His desire is for us to be in alignment so that we're experiencing more and more of his presence. And be expanding our soul so that we're experiencing it deeper and deeper, stronger and stronger, more every day. God wants it more than we want it. And so in each one of these, we hear Jesus' heart saying, oh, how I want you to experience my presence. I want you to experience my, the truth of my word. I want you to experience my peace. I want you to experience my joy. My desire is for you to experience it. Then why is it most Christians don't? Here's the answer. Next bullet point. Salvation is a gift, free gift of God, absolute free gift of God. All you have to do is accept the gift. Experiencing rivers of satisfaction is work. And that's why the vast majority of people who call themselves Christ followers will never experience the depth of God's presence and peace and joy and all that he offers through his Holy Spirit. In, in their other words, sanctification, the process of becoming more and more his. Transformation, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12 says. Um, salvation is a gift, but to experience these rivers of satisfaction, these rivers of his presence, we have to do the hard work of transformation, of, of cooperating with God so that we are turned more and more right side up. Or in this analogy, we're moving more and more under the pipeline, connecting the, our pipeline with God's pipeline and expanding it. Philippians chapter 2, verse, if you don't believe that what I'm saying is true, here's the truth of God. 
Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, there it is, obedience as alignment. So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. Not work to get your salvation, because salvation is a free gift. But work out your salvation. Now that you've established this relationship with Christ, work it out. So that you get to know Him, and you obey Him, and you're walking in alignment with Him. So that you're knowing the truth, and you're obeying the truth more and more and more. So that you're expanding your soul, and you're aligning with His presence flowing through you. Salvation is a gift, but experiencing these rivers of satisfaction requires us to work. And what we see in the New Testament is filled with all kinds of commands of pursuing God's presence, of following Him, of working, persevering, and more. So how? How do, how do we do that? There are lots of activities. This is one of them. Worship, teaching, fellowship, um, serving together. There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff that we do together um, that are a part of that, working out our salvation. But there's one responsibility that each of us has individually. And that is to be with God every day. Amen. We have to be with God. Day, and so next bullet point, a daily devoted, unhurried time with God is absolutely essential. A daily devoted, unhurried time with God. A daily time with God is not the point. Hear me on this. It's not something to check off your agenda for the day. Amen. It's not uh, it's not just something to do in order to keep God happy. That's religion. So the, the daily time is not the point, but it's part of the means by which we expand our souls and we align ourselves. Intimacy and alignment in deep, obedient relationship that brings indescribable satisfaction, rivers of living water. That's the point. It's about the outcome. And so there's no one right way to do it. But you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Spirit of, as rivers of living water, God's presence. Um, his offer to restore us, turn us right side up more and more. And there's no greater joy and no deeper sense of meaning and purpose than having God's presence fully flowing in you and through you. And God's heart says, that's what I want for you. We can pursue all kinds of other things, but we will never find the satisfaction ever that intimacy and alignment with God will bring. Luke 9.23, one of our memory verses from the past that I refer to a lot, says this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, believe. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, say no to himself, take up his cross daily, die to himself and surrender listening and obeying and follow me, obey me, obey me. That's what he's talking about. He's... So I put, I put a chart there for you. I... Um, am ashamed to say um, 
that there have been times in my past when I would present um, this kind of challenge of spending time every day with God in a way that dumbs it down and trivializes it. Because um, what I hear from almost everybody is we're busy. And so I would say things like, well, just start out with five minutes a day with God. Or just start out with 10 minutes. With just read a couple of scriptures. And, and, when, I, and I, when I said that, what I was doing is giving into our selfish nature and promising things that aren't true. Because you can't experience rivers of living water by spending, by reading two, two verses of, of scripture, praying a quick prayer, and going about your day. You, not in one relationship in our lives would survive that. Right? If, if we spent, with any of our kids or, or our spouses, if we said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Every morning I'll get up and I'll give you two minutes to tell me whatever you want to tell me. And then um, I'll, I'll talk to you for, uh, you know, a few minutes and then we'll go about our day. And then, and that's all you see? There's not, there's no way. That's not the way... And that's not what God has designed. He says, come to me and, and give your life to me. So here's just a contrast that I put, and it's not complete. It's just, I think more out of my frustration than anything else, I put this. The typical quiet time, quiet time meaning time with God, the typical American evangelical quiet time, it's still about me. It's still about me. I will spend time with God so that he can do what it, what it, you know, so I can learn about him. It's, it's still about me, and it's about me controlling it. God, if I do this, then you'll be happy with me, and you'll answer my prayers. It's about the mind. It's about information. It's academic. It's really about knowing. That's why we have a lot of people in our culture who know things about God, but they don't know God, and they're acting like the worst sinners in the world, claiming God. It's a, it's a silo. It's a compartment. So I do it, and then I go about my day. It's just something that I check off my list as a compartment. It's and, and so it's primarily talking. So I read a, little bit, a couple of scriptures, and then when I pray, it's primarily talking. I'm talking to God, oftentimes telling him what he needs to do and how he needs to do it. And if he doesn't do it, you're going to be mad at him. Am I Am I lying? Some of you are getting real quiet. <laughs> and then it's short and done. Because we think we're, we would never say it, we're too busy to do anything else. That's not a complete list, but it gives us in the right direction. One of the um, terms that the Ignite group with Ken Love, I've, I've referred to him quite a bit. It's a, it's a group that is strive, that I'm a part of, the leadership, that's striving to reach into pastors' lives to help them um, live and do ministry, walking in step with God's Spirit, rather than doing programs that the American church has gotten used to. And the term they use is throne room time going into God's throne room and spending time with him. And, and so in contrast to the first list, it's, it's about surrender. The throne room means that God is on the throne and I'm bowing at his feet, 
as his servant or his slave. And it start, everything's about him. It's about the whole person and the transformation where, where that little, little bit of quiet time is about information. This is about transformation into the image of Christ. Where it's a silo and compartment in, in the typical, it is 24-7 lifestyle. It's about being in his presence every moment. Where it's primarily talking in the typical quiet time, it's conversation with a lot of listening. And then um, where it's short and done, it's to give God access and obedience no matter how much time. So let's, let's talk about it. The, and, and so as I'm, I'm doing this, I'm thinking, here's some questions. Do I want a little dribble out of the pipeline? Who is God? Or do I want rivers of living water? Do I want to be fully armed in the, in the, with the armor of Christ as I go about my day? Or do I want to be exposed without the armor of Christ? Do I want the fruit of the Spirit flowing through me? Do I really want to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control as a way of life? Or do I want leftovers? Do I really want God? So turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And don't look at the clock like I am. Because I am not apologizing for this one. This is essential. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, beginning with verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's what we were before we found Christ. That's what people are if they're not following Christ. Objects of God's wrath, and they have none of his life flowing through him. They're lost pursuing other things, and they often don't even know what, they're, what, the, what, they're, uh, what they don't have. Verse 4, but God. But God. It wasn't because we were so good. It's because his love is beyond our comprehension. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we weren't looking for him. He came looking for us. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, his undeserved favor, you've been saved. Undeserved favor, nothing that we've done, but because he has done everything. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Seated us with him in the heavenly places. So when I talk about throne room time, I'm talking about going to him and surrender and allowing him to pull us up to where he sits. 
so that we're spending time with him on his terms, his agenda, his purposes, so that he's transforming us. We're giving ourselves to him. We're getting out of the earthly realm and going to the heavenly realm. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What we experience now are rivers of living water. What we will experience in heaven are all the riches, the immeasurable riches of his grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. Nothing that we have done. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. And I, and I meant to uh, have verse 10 in there. For we are God's workmanship, created in him, in Christ Jesus, to do good works. He saved us, not to stay where we were, but to become like him and be useful to him. So at the core of our time in the throne room, at the core, it's a personal time with God that creates conversation and connection with him that then bleeds over to other people as well. Because when those rivers of living water are coming from God and flowing through us, they're flowing through us and they go to other people. But in order to do that, what are the two requirements? Obedience Obedience that causes alignment and increased capacity for God's presence. How do we do it? It has, we have to have that daily throne room time. So here's an example. There's no one right way to do it. There's no one right way to do it, but there are activities that you need to do when you're doing it. So this is, this is what I do. You don't have to do it like I do it. This is the way I, I, you know, God has led me. It hasn't always looked this way, but at the, at the core, just do it. Just get started and expect the devil to try to wreck it at every chance, but just get going. So my quiet time has, has, so I start um, OMK, on my knees, on my knees. And I've encouraged you to do this in some way, shape or form. Begin your day by submitting physically as well as spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And so when I get on my knees, it's about, um, and, and, and when I first started getting on my knees, it, it felt like a duty. It felt, it felt odd. It felt unnatural. I, I just sometimes I felt like I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't accomplishing anything. But after doing it for a few years, it sometimes, as I'm kneeling down, I say to God, God, this is my favorite part of the day. Because there are times when I go to my knees and just something happens in the supernatural as I go to my knees, surrendering, praising, thanking him that shifts something in my soul. It, it's, it's almost like the devil goes, ah, oh, shoot, I can't go there. I, I can't be with them anymore because he's in the throne room. And something happens. So surrender. So that it's God's agenda. And then um, what I do is I I read the devotional first. Some people like to read the Bible readings first, but I read the devotional first because there's something, what I've discovered for me personally, again, personally, uh, 
is by reading the whatever devotional that we're doing for the year, it kind of activates my brain to get going to focus on God um, to prepare me for reading the Bible. So, but don't just read it once. Read it through. Pause and say, God, now what is it that you want me to notice? And then read it through slowly. And then what he points out, jot it down. In a journal, computer, piece of paper, someplace where you can hold on to it. And, and it's, a, as a tre- it's a treasure hunt. And then Bible reading. Bible reading. That's the truth. That's what everything is based on. It has to be. So the longer you're following Christ, the more you're obeying him, the more you're trying to move into that, that stream of his presence and, get, and build capacity. It is knowing the word of God and the truth that it is. Not just the words, but the truth that it is. So reading Reading, so I encourage you to use the Bible readings because they kind of focus you. But you can read whatever you want as long as you're in the Bible every day. But don't just read the passage once. Read it through and then go back. Pause. Lord, what is it that you want me to take away from this? And then read it through slowly and listen for the Holy Spirit because he wants you to experience his truth, not just have it in your head. It's a... So reading it as a love letter, reading it as a treasure hunt, as I talked with the kids, looking for what God has for you, and then reading it as marching orders, which leads us to using the three, and then you can read other Christian material, uh, you know, you know, follow God's agenda, but then it's about putting it into practice. Because Jesus said, if you're really my disciple, you will abide in my word. You will do what I tell you to do. Then you will know the truth. So it's putting it into practice. That's why I give you those three questions. We put on the journal. We put it on the end of the message. What stuck out to you? In the, in what is it the Holy Spirit made stick out to you? What uh, is God saying about what stuck out? So why did it stick out? What is he, what is he trying to say to you? in a very practical way. See how this has to be conversation? And then, um, and, and that's what really what these three questions are. So you can put a slash there, put conversation with God. Because out of the Bible reading, um, out of the devotional reading, then you have conversation with God. The Lord's Prayer, as I pointed out, with the, that's a model. It covers the topics that Jesus was trying to get the disciples to learn how to pray having conversation about him and all the kinds of prayers that we have. And then what do you need to do in response? How long? So here's the deal. If you think you're too busy, come to me and bring your schedule. (laughs) If you think you're too busy, I'll find a half an hour for you. You may not like it, because there's things that you don't want to stop watching, listening to, playing, or doing. But all of that stuff, the devil will... Th- if you've been a Christian any length of time, it's usually not bad stuff that's keeping you from spending unhurried time in the throne room that will transform you. It's good stuff that's not God stuff. So if you have, uh, you know, if you don't think you can... I'm telling you, come talk to me. 
If you are making excuses to God, come talk to me. And we'll repent of those excuses and we'll figure out, carve out that time. If you're setting aside time with God, but you're not experiencing rivers of his presence, come talk to me. Because if you're trying and you're not experiencing what God wants for you, then that's a whole different deal that God wants to overcome for you. Jesus made promises, these promises that we've identified, and he never, ever fails to, to um, keep his promises. Amen. So when he promises peace and love and joy and rivers of, of it's, not, it's not his fault if we're not experiencing it. Write this down too. I didn't put it in your own. And if you do this, be ready for the devil to come after you like he's never come after you before. And he is so creative, he will disrupt your schedule. He, um, so when our kids were little, I would try to get up early, and, and the kids just kept getting up earlier. <laughs> you know who was waking them up? Some demon was in, getting into their room or something. Because it's just that kind of stuff that will happen. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do this. You can experience rivers of God's presence flowing through you. And then pay attention to the God nudges because it's a 24-7 deal. There are moments when God wants you to experience rivers of living water as you go through your day. You could be driving in your car. You could be talking to a friend. You could be at work and, and you're just thinking about something and the Holy Spirit just comes and, and just all of a sudden you, you just, there's joy. Because he wants it more than you want it. Mm -hmm. So that's the practical side of it. God never gave us a magic wand or um, Holy Spirit fairy dust. Mm -hmm. It's just work. It's just sweat. It's just hard. But it's worth it. Amen. Lord, we give this to you. And I, I pray that you would challenge every one of us. Not out of your anger, but out of your desire. And that we would experience those rivers of living water in ways that we never had before. That you would increase our capacity as we never thought possible. That you would get us in alignment. God, I pray that you would help us to challenge each other and uh, together grow in this. Um, Lord, I pray, God, I just feel nudged to pray right now that you would... Um, cleanse us of the lies of the enemy that we've believed yes. and that you would give us your mind. You would be, you'd be able to see through your eyes. God, clearer and clearer um, the invitation that you give to us. Lord, move us into your presence. And, and in doing that, God, that others might see your presence flowing through us. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.